Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Preaching on Father's Day may not be as easy as you think it is, right? So a survey was done several years back of men and their connection to church. And they asked all kinds of questions. But one of the things that came out in the survey was the, day, the one Sunday of the year that men don't want to go to church the most is Father's Day. Right. And let me tell you why. Because we lure churches across America, lure dads with a gift. Dads, we got a gift for you today before you leave. Right. We lure them with a gift and then they come in and we beat them up and tell them why they're not enough. It's true. Happens all the time. So I just want you to know, dads, we're not doing that today. We're not doing that today. We're not beating you up. We're not none of that stuff. Right. We're actually going to talk to the people that are around you today and we're going to put the responsibility on them. Is that good? And hey, and and in preaching today on Father's Day, I'm well aware that there's a whole lot of emotion maybe here today. Maybe for some of you, I know that we have uh, people on our team that have lost dads this year. Some of you lost your father this year. Some of you, when we talk about Father's Day and you think about your dad, you have great, great memories. But for others, it's not such. I know that there are single moms here today that just want a dad to be there in that house, helping them raise those children. So we talk about Father's Day. There's there can be a lot of emotion but I, I, I want to just take us to the word of God today and give us some principles to help us help the men around us be better dads. Is that OK? Now, before I speak, I just want to say this. Today is Father's Day. So we're putting the pressure on the people around the fathers. But the principles that I'm going to share with you today is applicable for you to help your husband or your dad be a better dad. But it's also applicable for men to help their wives be better moms and better women and all that stuff. So ladies, don't take offense. It's Father's Day, okay? So the principles I'm sharing today are not specifically directed to help dads. It's really, we can use it with all of our relationships to help the people in our lives be better. So I want to pray real quick. Because as I was preparing for this message, I, I was reminded that God is here and God wants us to be better. But the enemy is also here trying to rob us of what God has for us. And so I just want to pray that God would step in and do what God can do. Can we pray? Yes. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for every dad in this room. Father, I pray for those who today may be dealing with some emotion. God, I pray that you would touch them right where they are. God, as we open your word today, Father, we pray that your word would be life giving. 
Lord, you said it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks yokes of bondage, that sets people free. Lord, today, we don't need to hear just from a pastor. Lord, we need to hear from you today. And Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do in this service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, dads. So dad jokes, right? Dad jokes are good, right? You want to hear a few dad jokes? So did you hear what the drummer named his triplet daughters? And a one and a two and a three. That's good. Hey, you know why you should never scream into a colander? Because it strains your voice. I went to the doctor the other day and he looked at me and said, hey, don't eat anything fatty. And so I said, you mean like boudin, crackling and bacon? He said, no fatty, just don't eat anything. (laughs) Ah, I knew I'd get you on that one. Hey, so I want to talk to you about two principles for building better dads. And I just want to say for a moment, I'm so grateful to be a dad to amazing, amazing girls. I am so blessed. So Gabby just turned 16. She got a driver's license. And I watched her drive out of the driveway in Tara's car by herself to go to work. I thought two things. Thank God she's in Tara's car. And thank God she has a job, right? So that was good. But you know, when you have kids, everybody around you says, it's going to go fast. They're going to grow up. You have no point of reference. Like, it just seems like, well, not yesterday, but recently. And and here they are, grown up. Hey, so I want to talk to you about two principles for building better dads. Just two simple principles. And and men, you you aren't completely off the hook because I do want to talk to you at the end. But I want to talk to you again, give you two principles for helping you build better dads. This might be the dad in your home. This may be your own father. This and again, these principles can relate to really every relationship in your life. But we're talking about dads today. So the first principle to build a better dad is the practice, the principle of honor. Practice the principle of honor. Honor, I think, in my years of counseling and helping couples, I think honor is literally the fastest, most effective way to change the temperature of a home. That when you begin to honor the people around you, Ladies, when you begin to honor your husbands, when you begin to honor your children's father, when you begin to honor your own father, I'm telling you something happens and you literally begin to change the temperature. I want to take you to a passage of scripture. I think one of the most interesting passages of scripture concerning the life of Jesus that we find there in Mark chapter six. Listen to this passage of scripture. Now, let me just remind you that up until this point, Jesus has literally been throughout the region working miracles, right? Uh, lame people are walking. Lepers are healed. Uh, dead people are alive because of the ministry of Jesus. But then we get to Mark chapter six and we see something very interesting. Listen to this. 
Beginning of verse 1, he went away, speaking of Jesus, from there and came to his hometown. I don't know where you're from, right? But, you know, when you go back to your hometown, it's, it's like familiar, right? You know, you go back to Kankton. It's good. I like Kankton. All right. So he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon or Simon? All right. And are not his sisters with us? And they listen to this. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his, in, in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus is throughout all the region working miracles But he comes to his hometown, possibly the people he felt closest to, the people he most wanted, most wanted to pour into. And the Bible says that his ministry was hindered because of dishonor. He could do no mighty work. The son of God was limited by dishonor. Uh, Let me give you two causes, two common causes of dishonor, what causes us to dishonor one another. The first is familiarity, which obviously comes from the word family. You know, many people know the phrase, whether church or unchurched, believers or unbelievers, a prophet is not without honor in the, except in his uh, own country or his own hometown. But the rest of the verse is really applicable to us today on Father's Day. Because it says a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, listen to this, and among his relatives and in his own household. Many times familiarity causes us to make much of a person's weakness while we minimize their strengths. Because their strengths are set. And what we do is we remind them of their weaknesses in order to help them get better. Can I tell you that when we don't celebrate a person's strengths, but we always remind them of their weaknesses, that is dishonor. Romans chapter four, verse 17, it's not on your screen, but it just simply says this. Call those things that be not as though they were. Hey, ladies, if you want your dad to be better, start celebrating what they do right. Men, help me, help me, please. Sometimes you got to speak words of faith over your husband, over your children's father, over your own father. Begin to speak. The Bible says, speak those things that be not as though they were. You know what that means? Start honoring and see things begin to change. Speak life, not death. Speak life and not death. Ladies, 
Your husband has a need for honor. So familiarity can cause an offense. It can cause us to focus on each other's weaknesses and forget one another's strengths. Just like in just like familiarity can cause an offense. Ladies, I want you to listen to this. This is very important. A lack of familiarity can create an unrealistic opinion of someone. Let me just say that again. Just like familiarity can cause an offense, a lack of familiarity can create an unrealistic opinion of someone. Every once in a while, I'm sitting down and I'm counseling a couple and they go to a church here in town. I do counseling for a lot of churches here in town. And 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 the, the wife will start will be beating her husband up and talking about what he doesn't do right and what he should do better. And and then every once in a while she'll go, you know, what I mean, I just want him to be like our pastor. <laughs> really? And, and I'll just go, well, how well do you know your pastor? Well, I mean, he's a great communicator. And he when he prays, I just feel something. Years ago, uh, when I was on, well, I was on staff at Crossroads Church and every year they would do a women's conference. And every year I was the only man that got to speak. They would bring me every year to do a, a, a breakout session. And I love to do Q&A. So I would do a little talk and then I would open the floor for Q&A. Tara was out of town. She was at a conference in Washington, D.C. And I'm doing this Q&A and I'm asking all the answering all these questions. And then I literally say, hey, I've got time for one more question. And this lady, I mean, she jumps up like in her mind. If this is the last question, I've got to be the one to ask it. And so I call on her and she goes, yeah. um, So I have a question for you. I want to know, please, can you just tell me how can I make my husband be like you? And my response was, if my wife was here, she would laugh at you. Because what you're seeing is all about knowledge. Right. But when I'm at home, I'm just me. Pastor Scott, we are so blessed to have Pastor Scott. My gosh, we are so blessed as a church. But I got bad news for you, ladies. If you follow him home, his kids aren't asking him Greek and Hebrew words. I promise you. (laughs) Kelly doesn't care that he has doctorates on his wall. Just pick up your dirty clothes. Right. A lack of familiarity can create an unrealistic opinion of someone. Ladies, listen to me. When you ask your husband or set a bar based on someone on a platform, you're being unfair and you're being unrealistic. Because God didn't create your husband to be Pastor Scott. He created him to be him. And just like Pastor Scott has strengths and weaknesses, your husband has strengths and weaknesses. We just got to pull them out of them. One of the things I love about working for Pastor Scott, and I'm I'm being honest. 
is that Pastor Scott gives me the ability to just be me. When Pastor Jacob asked me if I would come to Midtown, my first response was absolutely not. Pastor Scott is way too smart for me. (laughs) And his smartness, I don't even know that's a word. What's the Greek? His intelligence is going to really make me look dumb when I preach. And I remember Pastor Scott and I meeting and he goes, hey, David, I just want you to come be you. Ladies, can I just tell you this? I'm not talking about, I don't, I don't, I'm not ignoring your spouse's weaknesses and things he needs to change and any of that. But I promise you, there are giftings in your husband that God knew that you needed and that you can benefit from them if you will just recognize them. So familiarity, I'm going to change the word for next service. Um, familiarity can cause dishonor. Pastor Scott's up here talking Greek and Hebrew and I can't even get familiarity out. Why did I leave Lafayette campus? All right, so familiarity can cause dishonor and the second cause of dishonor is offenses. Offenses. When you go back to Mark chapter six and they start asking, is it, where did he get this wisdom? Where did he learn these things? Is it this the son of Mary and Joseph, the brother of, it said this, it said, and they took offense at him. Listen, where there is an offense, there is a lack of honor. When I do something dumb and make my wife mad, she's not celebrating me. Even though she should. Amen. Yes, let's just, let's just help, help. Where there's an offense, there's a lack of honor. We need to work through the offenses so our relationship can be healthy and honoring. Married couples, there's a reason scripture says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now wives, I don't always do it. I don't always do it. Trust me. But I know that's what's best for us. That's what's best for our marriages. That's what's best for our families. You shouldn't let your kids go to bed with you angry at them. You should settle the score and deal with it. Because that's what scripture says we should do. Work through the offenses in your marriage, in your family, with your siblings, with your children. So that your relationship can be healthy and honoring. And listen, some offenses are small and just need to be talked through. But other offenses are big and require forgiveness. And every time we talk about forgiveness. Because ladies, on Father's Day, some of you are mindful of some really hurtful things. When you think about your dad. And I get that. Can I tell you? What you don't forgive and release, many times we repeat. Right? Let me just give you a little principle of unforgiveness. What we, either, we either release something or we rehearse something. Right? When you forgive someone, you're releasing them. When you hold on to that offense, you tend to rehearse it. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you rehearse, you typically become. 
Makes no sense that the child who was abused grows up and becomes, becomes an abuser. But the stats tell us that's very realistic. Because what you don't release, you tend to repeat. So maybe today you're here, a, 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 a lady, a, a, a man. And when you think about your dad, there's a wound there. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. I don't know what they did. But I know that I did things that I can't believe Jesus has forgiven me of. But he has. And the Bible says in light of the forgiveness we've been given, we should extend that to others. Listen, if dishonor hindered Jesus from doing mighty works, ladies, is it possible that dishonor is hindering a man in your life from doing great things? Because listen, ladies, sometimes we offend you and we don't even know we offended you. Right. We get home and you're mad and we're like, what's wrong? You know what's wrong. I don't have a clue. Like, I need a counselor, please, to move in with us, to help me. Like, no, oh, you know. Ladies, you need to know something. We're clueless. We're clueless. Right? I I counsel marriages for a living. It's one of the things I do. But then all of a sudden, I get home and Terry goes, we need to talk. And she starts telling me this stuff. I'm like, how how do people pay me to fix their marriage? And I didn't even see this. Ladies, we don't know. And let me just speak for the men here. Ladies, we don't know what y'all want. I know y'all want us to know, but we don't know. You're like, I just need you to be more sensitive. I just need you to be more sensitive and listen and help me with these things. And then over here, you're like, I need you to lead. I need you to find some strength. Is there any strength in you? Like, do you want me to be sensitive or strong? What? I don't know what to do, and I don't know when to be who you want me to be. Right? Uh, every once in a while, I get dressed. I was single for 36 years. I know how to dress myself. But I get dressed, and I walk out, and Terry goes, Are you going to wear that? (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) Can I tell you, I've never gotten to the golf course and one of my guys go, you're wearing that? (laughs) You know it's after Labor Day. (laughs) But here's the crazy thing. They tell us we don't know how to dress And then they ask us to help them dress. Right? We don't know how to match. This matches, baby. But then we walk out. They walk out and go, does this look good? I don't know. I I got no clue. Right? They walk out with two different color shoes on and they go, which one? Men, I can I promise I got the answer. This is what you do. You look like you're interested because we don't care. 
you, you just look at them and you go, hmm. Like in there, you're thinking about the football game this afternoon. They think you're thinking about their shoes. They think you care. So just go, huh, blue, black, hmm. And then at some point, she can't take it anymore. She goes, well, I was just thinking about wearing blue. You know what? I was about to say blue. That's exactly, I mean, that's what I would do. I'd wear blue. And then when they walk out and go, does this make me look fat? Oh my gosh, just shoot me. I'm like, you think we're going to say yes? Ladies, y'all are smarter than this. Y'all are smarter than this. Ladies, we don't know. Help us out. If dishonor kept Jesus from doing mighty works, what did those people miss out on? If Jesus worked miracles over there and he cleansed the lepers and he raised the dead, but he couldn't do this here because of their dishonor. What did those people miss out on? And I would ask this question. If there's dishonor in your home, if you're always reminding your husband, your father, your children's father about his weaknesses and you never celebrate his strengths, What are you missing out on, ladies? What are your kids missing out on? Simply because you're focusing on dishonor instead of honor, which will pull him up. Years ago, I heard an evangelist, Danny Duvall, say this. There are only two different types of people. When it comes to words, there are two different types of people in this world. There's balcony people and basement people. Balcony people are always pulling people up higher. And basement people are always pulling people down. Ladies, can I just tell you? No one can build us up like you can. No one can build us up like our wives, but no one can tear us down like our wives. Men are wired by God with a need for respect that comes from affirmation. Listen, a healthy respect. So men need respect, right? A healthy respect is not a yes, sir, respect. If, that, if your marriage is marked by a yes, sir, respect, you need to see a counselor. That's not healthy. A healthy respect in a marriage is an affirming respect. You affirm him. Respect through affirmation is literally a man's number one need. I know y'all think some of you ladies think it's intimacy. It's respect through affirmation. Intimacy is number two. Intimacy is number two. And men, in case you're wondering, the survey says your wife's need for intimacy is like number 12. And number 11 is gardening. So I don't know what that means, but. (laughs) Listen to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, verses two and three says this. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You know what this verse of scripture says? If things aren't going well with the dad in your life, you have the ability to change it with your words and with your honor. And I know that ladies will say, well, you don't know and you don't know what he did. And you don't know. Every one of us do some, something good 
Can I just remind you that your husband, your dad was created by God? And if you can't find something good in him, I promise you the issue really in the end comes down to you. Because the Bible says that every one of us were created with strengths and weaknesses. Every one of us were created with giftings. Just learn to say thank you to him. Can I just tell you? Tara and I do, don't do everything right. She needs to work on a few things. <laughs> but one of the things... Hey guys, can I come stay at one of y'all's houses tonight? <laughs> one of the things we do really well is simply saying thank you. Very seldom do I cut my grass that Tara either doesn't verbalize or send a text going, hey, thanks for cutting the grass. It, it looks great. You know what that means? Somebody noticed it and said it. Tara was the marketing director for all three tsunami restaurants and they would pay her in food and sushi. We ate tsunami every week. There were times that we'd be sitting at our table with our girls eating sushi Tara worked for. And she'd go, hey girls, aren't you so thankful that we get to live where we live? We get to eat sushi every week because dad works hard. It took no effort, took very little effort for her to make that observation to our girls, but it meant the world to me. Because what it said was somebody noticed and acknowledged. A while back, I was counseling a couple. I may have said this story before, but you need to hear it again. I was counseling a couple and I've been counseling them for a few months and the man was engaged, but showed no emotion at all. And they came in for a session one day and I began to talk to them about honor. These were wealthy people who live in a beautiful home. The wife and the two teenagers don't work and they drive very nice vehicles. And the man's job allows him to win trips and they take literally trips around the world. And they're sitting in my office and I looked at his wife and I said, I want to ask you a question. So when was the last time you pulled up to your house with your girls and simply said, girls, can you believe we get to live where we live because dad works so hard? She goes, I've never said that. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you're boarding the plane or deboarding the plane for one of those great trips that you said, girls, aren't you so thankful we get to do this because of dad? And when I said that, he literally, the man begins to sob. Literally just begins to sob. And she looked at him and she said, what's wrong? And he said, I feel like I work my tail off to provide. And no one ever notices it and never acknowledges it. Ladies, I promise you, you just saying thank you, I promise you, will begin to soften his heart. You just acknowledging, listen, not because he is who he is, but because he is who God created him to be. God put in men a need for respect through affirmation. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 says that you can change your situation by giving honor. Can I tell you, many of you are familiar with the book Love and Respect uh, by Dr. Emerson Egrich. I can't say familiarity. How can I say Egrich? Uh, if you saw the spelling, I don't know. But he talks about the fact that women need love and men need respect. And we get in this crazy cycle. You don't, you're not giving me love, so I won't give you respect. You're not giving me respect, so I won't give you love. And he talks about how this is a crazy cycle that somebody has to break. Ladies, Father's Day, I think you should start to break the cycle. We think we can change someone by constantly reminding them of what they need to change. But scripture says the opposite. I'm not saying you should ignore issues. I'm saying that every man needs respect, affirmation and honor. And that's a great place to start in order to get to a healthier place. In biblical times, the word honor brought to mind something that was heavy or weighty. Gold was a perfect picture of honor for them because it was both heavy and valuable at the same time. For those people, the word dishonor brought to mind something that was light and had no value like mist or steam. Listen, when we honor someone, we're saying that who they are and what they say carries weight with us. And when we dishonor them, the exact opposite is true. What are you communicating, ladies, to your dad, to your husband, to your father's, to your children's father? What are you communicating with your words, your actions, your honor or your dishonor? At times you can answer this question by listening to how your children talk about their dad. Since typically they repeat what they see and what we allow. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So the first way to build a better dad, the first principle is to practice the principle of honor. And secondly, is to practice the principle, the principle of receiving. Matthew chapter 10, this is so interesting. Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 and 41 says this, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives him who sent me, the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. How do we receive someone? Well, when you receive a person in your life as God's gift to you, then you release them to be all that God intended them to be in your life. Listen, until you receive him, you can't receive what God intended for him to be for you. Jesus is our example. Listen, this is in John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Listen, the word right there in the Greek is exrosia. It means he gave them the authority and the power to become the children of God. Think about the fact that Jesus has all power, power to save, to forgive, to deliver, to heal. But we don't benefit from any of those blessings until we receive him. 
He cannot be all God intended him to be in our lives until we receive him and simply say yes to Jesus. Think about this. When we go back to Mark chapter six, Jesus in his own hometown, they didn't receive him as the son of God. They received him as a carpenter. And because they didn't receive him as God's son, he wasn't able to be God's son to them. Think about that. So when you receive someone as God's gift to you, you release that person to be all God intended him to be in your life. Listen, he's not perfect, but he is God's gift to you. And you need to receive him as such so that he can be all that God intended him to be for you. Listen, again, ladies, this is true of your husbands. Husbands, this is true of your wives. This is true of your boss. This is true of different people in your life. Marriage is God's sandpaper in our lives in order to shape us into something better than we were by ourselves. Think about this. Opposites attract, right? Opposites attract, then we get married and aggravate each other. (laughs) True? Can I just tell you? God didn't intend you to get married to just stay like you. God intended you to enjoy the blessing of marriage in order to shape you into something better. Remember your wedding vows? I accept you for better or worse, rich or poor, sickness and in health. Doesn't always work out that way day to day, does it? When we talk about receiving someone. We're simply talking about allowing them into our lives, allowing them to be who God created them to be and seeing them as a blessing from God for us. All right. So let me move on to the dads real quick. Dads, I want to give you seven principles to becoming better dads. Can I give you that real quick? I'm giving it to you anyway, unless you're leaving. You don't have to answer. Dads. I want to give you seven quick principles. Number one, your words carry more weight than you realize. Your words carry more weight than you realize. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I counsel men who are grown men who are still wounded over something their father spoke over them. My dad was pretty successful businessman. And I remember probably 30 years ago, my dad would have been probably in his 60s or 70s. And I'm, we're in my, mom, my mom's kitchen and it's my dad and three of the brothers. And my parents used to, my grandfather used to own a camp by Oakbourne. Back then it was in the country. And they had this great pool with a fence around it and the there were these big floodlights on the four corner post of the fence. And we were reminiscing about all the memories at the camp. And one of my brothers said, Dad, who thought about putting those floodlights on the corner of the post? That was really smart. And my dad, who was successful, who had accomplished a whole bunch, who loved God and worked through some issues, literally begins to Tears just begin to stream down his face. And he tells us a story about when his dad had bought the camp, had put the pool in, was about to put the fence up, 
And my dad went with a few of his high school buddies to the camp to see his dad. And his dad was saying how he just couldn't figure out how to light the pool. And my dad said, hey, dad, why don't you put the and he tell he gives him the idea. And right in front of my dad's best friends, his dad looked at him and said, for an idiot, you finally came up with something good. And he never forgot. Dads, your words carry more weight than you realize. Number two, dads, your actions are louder than your words. Because it's one thing to say to our children to do right. But when we don't do when we don't do right ourselves, they typically follow our actions more than our words. Number three, dads, don't make those around you work for your approval. Give it freely. Don't make the don't make your children work for your approval. Give it freely. There are grown men who are still trying to earn their dad's approval. And some of their dads have already passed away and they're still trying to please him because he refused to give them the approval. Listen, dads, our kids were wired by God to be affirmed by us. Dads, number four, a connection with you is more important than provision from you. A connection with you is more important than provision from you. God wired us as men to provide. And when we provide well, it becomes part of our identity. And and we tend to put our energy there. Listen, if the men, if if the people you're providing for feel left out by you, things are out of balance. Things are out of balance. I think I may have told you all this story before, but I'll tell you real quick. I was counseling a couple. They lived in a very affluent area of Lafayette. They lived in a 6,000 square foot house. He literally made millions of dollars a year. He had just bought his wife a $160,000 vehicle and they're in my office with marriage trouble. And she's complaining about their marriage. And he says, what are you talking about? Look where we live. Look how much money I make. Look at the car I just bought you. Look at the trips we take. And she said this to him. I would rather live in a trailer and feel connected to you than live where we live and hardly ever see you. Men, we think our wives want provision and they do. But I promise you they want connection more than provision. Number five, partner with God to find your child's bend. Partner with God to find your child's bend. We all know Proverbs 22, 6. Raise up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. And that is a promise, right? That is a promise that we should train up our children. And, and, and we stand on that promise for our kids. But let me tell you the word picture back in the original language for this verse. Bow and arrows were obviously made back by hand back then. And when you got a new bow, you had to find that bow's bend in order to... Be successful with it. I'm not a hunter. Maybe some of you guys are going, that's whatever. I'm up here. You're not. All right. So. um, (laughs) What this verse of scripture is saying is this, that God wired our children with a bend and our responsibility is to find it. 
One of the worst, one of the worst mistakes we make as dads is that we try to instill a bend in our children instead of finding the bend that God's already put into them. Dad, just because you were an athlete and your son's not, doesn't make him odd or less than. It just means that God created him for something different. So partner with God to find your child's bend. Number six, men, leadership is in you. Find it. I do a lot of weddings and whenever I get to the ring ceremony, I always remind the men that the man's ring is always heavier and thicker. Reminding us that the responsibility of leadership rests upon us as men. And I always remind them that not only as men has God called them to lead, but as men, God's equipped them to lead. And listen, a healthy marriage is a partnership in my opinion. But there are times when we need to stand up, step up, right? And lead our families and men. That's in you. You just got to find it. Can I just tell you, there are great men in this church who would love to help you find it. You just got to open your mouth and ask. One of the great things our Savior's Church does is men's Bible studies that literally go on almost every day of the week somewhere in Lafayette. Those are available to you. And they're full of men who can help you find the leadership that's in you. You just got to seek it out. Number seven, and then I'm done. Your greatest accomplishment as a dad will be pointing them to Jesus. Your greatest accomplishment as a dad will simply be pointing them to Jesus. Psalms 127 verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. just tell you I'll wrap up with this many times what women say is that as dads and husbands that we're not enough of a spiritual leader in our homes so ladies can I just tell you this real quick y'all are typically much more spiritually sensitive than we are and sometimes that's intimidating to us I think Tara is a better prayer than I am I think Tara thinks more spiritually sometimes than I do. One of the differences between men and women is when women don't know how to do something, they figure it out. When men don't know how to do something, many times we do nothing. Because we're ego-driven and we don't want to admit we don't know what we're doing. Can I just tell you, what your kids need is not a sermon that represents Pastor Scott or reminds us your kids are Pastor Scott, but just something simple that's simply pointing them to Jesus. And I think sometimes dad, dads don't take a spiritual lead in the homes because sometimes we want something difficult from them. And that's not even what your kids need. You need to encourage your kid, your dad, your husbands. You need to encourage your children's father to simply read a verse of scripture. Do something simple. Go to josh.org, Josh McDowell's uh, website. And, and every day there's a little family devotion that you can just read with a little uh, 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 illustration with a verse of scripture and then pray. Don't make it complicated. But men, we have a responsibility to not only love Jesus, but to point our kids to him. Hey men, would you stand at your feet today? Just the men. I just want to pray for you as we get ready to dismiss. Father, thank you for every man in this room. 
Lord, I don't know every one of their stories, but I know this. They're not dads by accident. They're dads by design. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to be the men that you've called us to be. Lord, to not fit in some kind of mold or look a certain way or just act a certain way, but to simply say yes to Jesus and then let you direct us in the way that we should go. Lord, just like you told us that you want us to direct our kids in the way that you designed for them to go, Lord, we're asking you to direct us. Lord, bring godly men into our lives to help us where we feel weak. God, help us to honor those around us and then help us to reap what we sow that others would honor us. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Father, I pray that the life of every dad in this room would be marked by the abundant life that's found only in Jesus Christ. We pray the same of the Father, the Son, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. 